With SunMade, Whole Fruits Natural Sweetness opens a world of imaginative snacks. Take a sweet or sour adventure with fruity raisin snacks. Chill on creamy, delicious yogurt-covered raisins. And for ultimate yumminess, try s'mores granola bites. Because with SunMade snacks, goodness really is delicious. Get a taste at sunmade.com slash imagine that. This program acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land, the Awabakal peoples. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and future, and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander peoples listening in. I do think there's a thin veil between this world and the next. I do, I do think that, you know, spirits aren't that far away. They, they're sort of almost within reach. They're, they're, they're concealed, if you like, behind this, you know, opaqueness or it's just something that we can't perceive with our own eyes. But I think we can tune into it and that's how we can communicate with them. Introducing Tina, a writer, storyteller and police staff from England. Tina has known me since I was born and my family visit her every time we go to England. We've also been pen pals for as long as I can remember, and Tina was the one who sparked my interest in ghost stories in the first place. Please note that Tina references a lot to a person named Jack. He is Tina's much-loved, now-past partner. And now, before we begin, I want to ask you a question to think about. It's a question I was asked since starting this podcast, and I've been thinking about it a lot. What do our ghost stories tell us about ourselves and our world? This is a Purple Top Records production, Episode 3, Echoes in Time. I befriended a medium and psychic lady who opened a spiritual shop in Warwick and uh, I went down there this one day to have a look round and ended up having a tarot card reading and it was really good fun. Anyway, we got talking, her name was Paula and um, she, we got, became quite good friends in the end. You know, she was quite interesting and she lent me books and we, we were able to talk about things that we were both interested in about the spiritual world and what her take on it was and some of the things that she'd experienced so that was what that was one part of it so that she was in Warwick at the time of this incident and the incident happened in 2007 um and it was 21st of December which is the winter it's, it's actually the solstice winter solstice 21st of December and we were invited to a party Jack and I um, which was in Warwick, so it was within walking distance. So it was just across the town. And we could walk there, and it was like this apartment block, not very far away, where our friend Emma, who was both of our physiotherapists, she, she used to do our backs for us, and her fiancé, Steph, were um, living at the time. So she was on the third floor. And it was quite an old apartment block, but quite luxurious. So it had an electric gate to a car park, and there was like a, a balcony that you had to walk up some steps to get onto the ground floor, if you like, because the balcony overlooked the car park. But when you were on the balcony, you were you were at ground floor. And then there was like two floors and then Emma's floor was right on the top. And there was no lift. It was just stairs. 
there was a big wrought iron gate that she had to unlock with a key. Every resident had its own key. And it was, it was a great big ornate key. It was a very old gate mm. as well. And that led onto the car park. So when we walked in onto the car park through the electric gates, she had to open this gate with a key. And I'm, I'm, there's a reason I'm telling you this. But she had to open it and then we'd all go through. So she led us up and then she locked the gate and it was secure again. So she led us all up and we got a glass of wine and we were all talking to people and then eventually because I smoked at the time if you remember um Jack and I decided we were going to go for a cigarette so we went walked down to the balcony to have a cigarette and Emma at one point came and joined us for a cigarette and then she went back upstairs and we were still talking we in fact I think we had a couple of cigarettes and then we were talking and then she came back down again and said oh I've got some friends coming over and I want to introduce you you'll love Julan and she just said that I'd get on really well with her so as she disappeared around the corner to let them in through this wrought iron gate with this big key, I was looking over the balcony and so was Jack and there was four people walking across the car park. There was a girl and three men and the girl had got her arms full of things like presents and a poinsettia plant and a bottle of wine and so had the man behind her, but the other two hadn't got anything. So they were walking across the car park. And then the next thing, they were all like lined up. Emma was first, and then they were all in single file on the balcony in a line. And Emma was attempting to introduce us, but Julan had her hands full and it looked like she was about to drop the wine. So I said, look, you go on up. And as soon as we finish our cigarette, we'll come up after you and we'll have a chat then. Emma led the way and they all went up the stairs. And the last lad turned around and looked at me and he went, hi. And I went, oh, hi. I was like, oh, who's friendly? <laughs> somebody I did, I'd never met before yeah so me and Jack carried on talking a couple of minutes later we went back upstairs everybody was in the kitchen which was quite a large kitchen really beautiful old-fashioned with beams and it was just gorgeous this kitchen and um and I went and got my glass of wine and Jack was already talking to Steph and Joss which was Julan's husband and Emma was talking to Julan and another lady that I didn't know and I was looking around and I thought I wonder where those two men are the, the two men who came in with Julan and Joss. So at one point, Emma came over to refresh her glass of wine. And I said, where are the two men that came in with your friends? And she said, what two men? And I said, you know, the two men who came in with Julan and Joss, you were about to introduce us. She said, no, Julan and Joss came alone. I said, no, they had two, they had two men with them. I said, one was like shorter than Joss and he got dark hair and sharpish features a bit like Jilan he looked a bit like Jilan actually not very much taller than Jilan quite slim long dark trench coat he was wearing and the other one was wearing all beige got a beige jacket and a beige jumper and beige chinos and looked like suede shoes and he got sort of a square jaw and blue eyes because he was the one who turned around and said hi to me and I remember seeing his eyes in the light and he got sort of mousy brownish, blondish, curly hair. And um, and he, he turned around and said hi to me. So I knew that they were with them. Um, and when Emma led the way up the stairs, they followed. <laughs> Julian went first, then Joss, and then the man in the trench coat, and then the man in the beige jacket. So they all went upstairs. And it was just like, well, where are they? And Emma said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And I thought, that's a funny joke, Emma. Surely, surely that was, that was a bit of a transparent joke, that one. 
So she called Jillan over and she said, Jillan, did you come with anybody? And I thought, that's a weird thing to say. She must have seen them. And Jillan said, no, we came alone. And I went, no, you came, you came with two men. Because there were two men with you. She said, what two men? I thought, I can't believe this. And by this time, the kitchen had gone a bit quiet because they were listening to me, Emma and Jillan, in this conversation yeah. about two men who weren't there. So... It hadn't gone quite quiet. I, I called Jack over. He hadn't heard any of this. I called Jack over and I thought, I'm going to have to be very careful how I word this because I don't want to put words in his mouth. So I said, when we were on the balcony having a cigarette and Emma went down to let her friends in, how many did we see crossing the car park? And immediately he said, four. I thought, thank God for that. I'm not going mad. He did see them after all. So Emma and Julan and Joss all said, no. No, came alone. And Jack went, no, he didn't. There were four of you. Where, where are the other? Then he noticed that they weren't there. Where are the other two? And they didn't know what he was talking about. And they didn't know what I was talking about. And we described them. In fact, Joss was like, well, what did they look like? And he was a bit on edge. And I thought, that's a bit strange. And I said, well, they were about your age in early 30s. You know, and, and I described what they're wearing. And, Jack, you know, was chipping in and saying, "What?" Well, so we we definitely seen the same two people, and they were standing next to Joss, and they were standing, you know, so close to us we could have reached out and touched them. So Emma and Julan and Joss must have seen them, but they weren't there to them. They were there to me and Jack, but they weren't there to them. And the kitchen went very quiet, and you could have heard a pin drop. And Julan said. I once had a medium tell me that there were two men who walk with me everywhere. And all the hairs stood up on the back of my neck and I said, well, they must be your guardian angels then, Jilan, because I don't think they were ghosts. They were, they were solid. And, and Jack said, and one man said hi to you. He said, so, you know, they were, they were like, they actually spoke. They weren't like wispy. They weren't transparent. One of them interacted with me and, and Jack heard him. It was just so bizarre that they didn't see them and they were standing right next to them. You know, they'd stopped on, on. And I said, well, maybe they went to a different apartment. Maybe they just followed you on. You didn't notice them, mate, which was ludicrous, really. Um, and then they went somewhere else. And Emma said, well, no, because I had to go down and open the gate with the key. Julan and Joss came through. I shut the gate locked it and there was nobody else there and she could see through the gate because it was wrought iron and there was nobody there there was no other men so explain that one we've never been able to what? I had I had a weird night that night I had a lot of things happen I made predictions for people and they've all come true and it's never happened to me before or since and I think it was the influence of the men. It was nothing to do with me. I don't think that I can do this. I don't think I'm psychic. Not, not in that way. I've been able to see things throughout my life or hear things or feel things. But this was something different. It was like one step beyond. And it wasn't something I'd ever been able to do before. But this night, I was doing it. And I wasn't even thinking about it. I, was on a, I felt like I was buzzing, like I was high. And all, all I'd had was a, like a glass and a half of wine and I, I wouldn't have got high off that. Not, <laughs> not in those days. Anyway. I would now. <laughs> but anyway, so I said to Julan, one of the men looked a bit like you. I said, you know, he got dark hair and very tiny features, like a little sh small pointy nose 
and I mean, she's she was very pretty, very striking. She got, I think it was a Welsh mother and a, an Irish father. So very Celtic looking and she'd got green eyes. Now I can't remember what colour eyes this man had got because I didn't look. The other one I knew had got blue eyes because I saw his eyes. Um, but I said, you know, he, he did look a bit like you. I said, but I think he was a bit older. I said, your mum never had a miscarriage, did she? And she said, she did actually. She had a miscarriage just before me. Julianne was one of about five children and there were four older ones and then her mum had a miscarriage but they don't know what the sex was. And then there was Julan. And I said, I think that's him. I think that that man was a relative of yours, either, you know, well, I think he was, I think he was your brother. He didn't make it sort of, and he's now your, in a way, guardian angel. He looks after you. Because this medium who told her, we found out later, who told her that she has two men who walk with her everywhere was Paula. The lady I befriended in Warwick. And then later on, we found out something else that Emma told me quietly. She said, I don't know whether you remember this, she said, but about, I think it was 2003. It might have been, it might have been later than that, even 2005. There was a 17-year-old boy called Jack McLeod. You can look this up. And he was 17 years old and he came from Leamington Spa, which was the town next to Warwick, actually. Um, and this boy was just before Christmas one year, he was in the park with his friends and something happened and they went home and he was never seen again. Well, he was never seen after that. He wasn't found for a very long time. And then a neighbour of Julan's mother, um, sorry, sister, a neighbour of Julan's sister went to Warwick and happened upon Paula's shop and asked for, you know, she was going to go in and ask for a reading. And as she walked in, Paula looked up and Paula told me this separately. So I knew this story from Paula's point of view before I even heard it from the other point of view, which was Julanne's point of view, which was so weird. Mm. Um, so when Julanne was talking, I was thinking, I know the other side of this. And I couldn't say, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to say I knew Paula at the time. And Julia, apparently this neighbour walked in and Paula looked up and there was a boy standing next to her and he was dripping wet. And Paula said, you've got somebody standing next to you. And he's soaked. He's soaked through. She said, I know he's in spirit. She said, do you know who it is? And the neighbour looked really shocked, this lady. And she said, I know exactly who it is. Can I bring his mother to you? Because his body hasn't been found. And Paula said, yeah, bring her. So the mother came and so did a couple of the other sisters. I don't think Julanne came that time, but she, she went a later time. And that's when Paula told her she's got too many walk with her everywhere. And um, Paula told the mom and the, and the relatives where to find Jack's body. And she drew a map and she said it, he was in the river and the, and the river had already been dredged by the police and they hadn't found him. But I don't think they'd been looking in the right place. So. Paula had drawn this map and there was a bridge going over the river and on the bridge somebody graffitied an arrow pointing downwards and she said he's on the opposite side of the bridge to that arrow but he's on that side of the bridge if you know what I mean and basically the police hadn't looked at that bit so the relatives went to the police and said please we know that this is probably weird because it's come from a psychic and I know that you're going to 
you know, think that this is mad, but would you please look at this? Two CID people, two detectives turned up at Paula's shop and talked to her about it. And Paula again drew the map and showed them where he was. And they did take it seriously, strangely enough, which is not, that's not a police thing whatsoever. We, we don't normally use psych, or we have used psychics, actually. I know the stories about psychics. We don't normally use them, um, but they did actually reopen that bit of the river and, and have a look and start dredging. And they found one of his trainers and then they knew that he, he must have, he must be close by because they'd found one of his trainers caught in the weeds and they found him tangled up in weeds in a sluice by a sluice gate not far from this bridge with a graffitied arrow on it which was exactly what Paul had, had drawn on this map it was, so that I mean that was bloody weird for a start the fact that I knew that story from Paula and then I get told it from Jalan who was his she was actually related to him she was his auntie and it was just so bizarre it was almost like full circle and then later on that night I, I I don't know what happened but I was giving people predictions I didn't even have any tarot cards with me it wasn't even that kind of a it wasn't that kind of a night but I was telling people predictions and I told this this one lad called Ed that him and his girlfriend were going to have a baby boy I said I know exactly when you'll have him and it won't be the following March, obviously, because she wasn't pregnant. So the following March would have been three months' time. It would be the Mar it would be the March after. So like two thousand and what was it then? Two thousand seven, eight, nine. So two thousand and nine, you'll have a baby boy in March, and you'll call him Joshua. And he went and found, he went and got his girlfriend from the kitchen because I was in the living room at the time. And he said, "Just tell Karen what you've just told me." And I told Karen what I told him, and she burst into tears and ran out of the room. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I said? And he said, we haven't been together very long. We've been together for six months, but we, we know that we're going to get married. We know that we want children. And Karen had been having problems with endometriosis. Mm. And she got a blocked, one blocked fallopian, well, two blocked fallopian tubes, but one of them was worse than the other. And they couldn't do anything with that one. But they tried to unblock the second one and they said that they weren't successful. So there was no way she was going to have children. And I said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. In the October of the following year, obviously, Emma and I have been very, very good friends for a number of years now. So she tells me all the gossip and, you know, things about her friends and people that I don't normally see that she sees. And this girl, Karen, um, she came to me in the October and she, she said, you will never guess what. I said, what? She said, Karen's pregnant. After, not, not, you know, knowing that she couldn't have children. I said, oh, that's fantastic. She said, and you'll never guess what else. And I said, what? She said, it was due in April. She said, so she, so she said, she could have it in March, but it is due in April. I said, well, that's fantastic. And she said, but she doesn't want to know the sex because you told her it was going to be a boy then she was going to call him Joshua. I said, well, let's just wait and see then. Yeah. So the baby was two weeks premature and he was born in March and it was a boy and they called him Joshua. What <laughs> the heck? But I've never been able to do that since. So I Why? honestly don't know where that came from, Georgie. You're so connected. <laughs> I might have been then, but I, I don't think I am now. <laughs> so how do you explain all of this in the connection? Um, 
<laughs> the connection. I, to be honest, I can't explain it. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how you are able to see things or feel things or hear things. Um, I think it, the only thing that I've learned over the years is that um, it's like when you're extremely skilled at something, say that you're an artist and that you're an artist who is so good that you don't need to copy a photograph or, you know, you can just, you can actually do it from memory even. You don't even have to look at a scene in order to be able to paint the scene. You can just do it from memory. And, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's like somebody who is so skilled in that. And, and not everybody can do that. And not even everybody can learn it because it's such a, an unusual, you know, a skill that is, is just like for you, if you like, that's your gift. And there are other people who are like you, a musician, you know, who can play instruments and, and have got an aptitude for it, or you've got a fantastic voice. Well, I think being able to tune into spirit is a bit like that. You've got yeah. either maybe a gift for it. I think you can learn to develop it if mm. you can like dampen down the outside influences and the, the skepticism enough. Mm. Um, and, and they also say that you should be on a higher of higher vibration in order to be able to receive or see things or feel things I don't know about whether I'm on a higher vibration but um I don't think I am at the moment definitely not I haven't had a, I haven't had much for a very long time I think that you you know you 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 it's like tuning into a radio isn't it there are waves out there that you can't see and you can't hear until they get fine-tuned into an instrument that is able to play them. Oh, you know, like radio waves are going through the air and you can't see any of those. Well, why not spirits? If you can get radio waves and, you know, and a television turning on and a picture coming and you can see and hear it, why not? You know, I know, that's, I know that is a science thing, but why not energy? Why can't, you know, why can't people see that you can just as easily get energy as, as much as anything else? But when you think about it, that makes more sense, doesn't it? That, yeah, you can't see radio waves and, and you don't realise that they're happening, but they're there. I loved what you said before so, about how, like, when someone dies, their energy, it has to go somewhere. And, and that energy does have to go somewhere. It doesn't, it doesn't just die out. Energy doesn't die out it it does have to go somewhere else mm. so where does it go it's like it's a tabletop crazy how you can just like describe all these things so vividly think, you know yeah and and your police training comes in there as well because I've oh, learned yeah. you know I've learned how to describe things through the police training because sometimes we we needed to do that in the front office as well we had to describe people and and you just get taught these things as you go along so yeah, I did yeah. knew I did know about how to you know retain information and describe things do you ever like tell <laughs> talk to people about this sort of stuff and people like criticize you and stuff like how do you deal with the fact that a lot of society is going to think you're mad like most of the time you know what georgie most of society doesn't they don't they're, really? they're fascinated unless they're hardcore scientists who don't believe in anything and they're complete atheists and everything and they just think that there's complete blackness when you die you'll find most people have a curiosity even if they don't fully believe because they've never seen anything themselves 
people do tend usually to have an open mind and they do find these sort of stories fascinating. I mean, some of these stories are so, you couldn't really make them up, could you? It's not like um, hmm. an archetypal ghost story. Tina has been able to tune into the energy of people close to her who have passed away. We go into details about some of the fascinating experiences Tina has had in the extended Tina episode. I then asked Tina specifically about these spirits. Do you think they're like stuck in the between or like? like no, what, I don't. Where I think are they've they? gone on. I think they've gone to the next world, whatever the next world is. It could be parallel to ours. We just don't know, do we? I think it, it could either be a parallel universe. Mm. It could be. It could, I don't think it's like heaven and hell like it's portrayed in the Bible. Mm. Personally, I, I don't feel that myself. I don't think that. I'm not religious. I am spiritual, but I'm not religious. And um, I don't think it's going to be up in the clouds or, you know, with a host of heavenly angels. I do believe in angels, so I do believe in good and bad. And I, I do believe that there are probably, if there are angels, there are probably demons. Mm. So I do believe that there are extreme versions of evil and extreme versions of pure goodness i think that they're possibly existing on a different plane and it's just a plane that we can't see it's very hard to explain things like this isn't it i've done a lot of studying and i've read a lot of books and what i've gleaned and what i feel comfortable with is the fact that i believe that there's a pure goodness called which, which is what i call the universal spirit people call it a different name you know in different cultures some people think that that's god um i don't believe that it's a person i believe it's an energy so it's like a pure white light so it's like a it's like a ball of energy which is like a spirit you know spirit form and it's mm -hmm. it's the purest goodness and i believe that when we die we go home so when we go home we leave our bodies and our energy goes towards that energy, which might be the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not sure. I don't know, because lots of people have spoken about that. People who've had NDEs, which are near-death experiences, where they've died and come back to tell the tale. You know, some people say they go through this like vortex, which is like a tunnel, and there's a light at the end, and then they see deceased relatives sometimes who greet them and talk to them about, you know, things but then say well it's not your time yet and you can't come any further so you have to go back and there are also um sometimes people talk about other like how do i explain it wise beings um who it's like a council where they they're put in front of these wise beings and they have to talk to them and you know tell them about their life and and what they want to do next and if they want to come back to earth and have another life and 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 that's that's all talked about or discussed if you like I don't even know whether they're able to talk or you know, I, I don't know how it works but this is what I've I've read lots of things about different aspects of it and and this is my understanding this is what mm. I've gleaned from it I wouldn't try and force that onto anybody else and everybody's got their own you know take on it haven't they yeah about yeah. what happens when we die and some people don't think there's anything they think there's just blackness yeah. but I've had too many th weird things happen 
for it to be just blackness. And when you die, energy, energy doesn't just dissipate. It goes mm. somewhere. It has to. And so yeah. that's why I think our soul is energy. Uh, you wow. know, our spirit is energy. And it does actually either join the universal spirit or it goes into another dimension. And they, I mean, they talk about there are halls of learning and beautiful gardens with colours you've never even seen before. I don't know about that. I've got no idea. I don't know whether there are learning halls or I don't know what you do. But um, yeah. I do believe in reincarnation, which is, you know, how I came to be doing the past life regression with the hypnotherapy because um, I, I enjoyed that so much. I really wanted to learn about it. So um, I became a hypnotherapist in order to do that and just just to do that. And I've done quite a few now. I've done, I've done you know, quite a lot of people. And really? it's very strange. And we've been able to research some of the lives as well. And they've been real. So that that was weird. Is that a whole new podcast? <laughs> oh, I think so. Tina and I started chatting about her work in past regression, which is when you take people back to their past lives to find the trauma they brought into their present life. And Tina guides people through a healing module, all using a type of hypnotherapy. We discuss this a lot in the extended episode, and she explains it a lot better than I do. I went on to ask Tina if she thinks she is an old soul, as I'd heard of this phrase many times before, and I think I'm beginning to understand it a lot more. Yes, I definitely am an old soul, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and do you know, sometimes I can look at a baby and I can tell that that baby is an old soul. That baby is just, it just looks so wise. I've, I've done that so many times now. And I, I look at these babies and I think, yeah, you're, you're quite new. You know, you're, you're not, you haven't been here many times before, if, if at all. You can get new souls as well. You don't just get old ones. Where do you think the new souls come from? I think they're, I think they're generated from the universal spirit, you know, from the energy. I think that's the pure source. I think that is where everything comes from. I suppose that is my version of God. What did you call it? Universal? The universal spirit. And in my mind, it's it's an unfathomable sized ball of pure white energy. Probably too bright to look at. And it's just pure goodness it's, it just it almost hurts to be anywhere near it because I just feel that I'm not worthy of being anywhere because I'm not pure enough to be anywhere near it do you think, I think about that we're, I think I think we're here to learn things I think I think earth is like is like school if you like I think yeah. this this is our this is our classroom we're here to learn and then once we've learned the lessons that we're meant to learn, what we're sent here to learn, we go home. And home is the spirit world. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> I love how you just said that. <laughs> so we're meant to learn something. And then once that's ticked off, see you later. It's such yeah, a nice well, way yeah. to think about the world as well. I think maybe, you know, like you're sent to here to learn patience in one lifetime. Yeah. And then 
if you don't learn it, you come back again and learn it. You have, to, you can't progress and get higher on, you know, there are people who are like mediums who have written books about the planes. There are planes of learning in, and, 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 and hierarchy, if you like. So like Tibetan monks, put it, that, put it this way, Tibetan monks are like very old souls and have been here several times, you know, many, many times over and over and over again, reincarnated. And each time they've come, they've learned something different and they've got to that higher echelon now where they're almost on a par with the angels and the universal spirit. So there'll, be, there'll come a time when they don't come back anymore as a human because they'll have reached that pinnacle. They've learned everything there is to learn. They've, their soul is pure and they don't need to learn anything else. And that is it. That will be their last lifetime, that, the, their last incarnation. Um, you know, like spiritual yogis in India and the very, very spiritual people who do lots of meditating and are very peaceful um, and very wise and they almost radiate spirituality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you. <laughs> or am I just talking rubbish? No. <laughs> Who knows? Oh my God. <laughs> well it kind of sounds like you're like on that path sort of thing you know I'm definitely learning I've still got a lot to learn what do you think I think I'll be were... back several times there's another thing as well um, that I've never told you about and it's future progression so you don't just you can't you, you don't have to just do past life regression I've learned that you can you can do future life progression as well She's going to blow your mind even more. Um, what is it? Instead of instead of going back to the past, you can actually propel yourself into the future and see what the future holds, and see what life you come into as in the future. So what you can you hypnotize think... you can hypnotize someone to do that. Is this because the time everything's actually happening at the same time? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. It, it maybe it is on a pathway of time and I don't know to be honest Georgie do you think people just get so distracted with their everyday lives that they're just so blind we're dulled dulled by everyday life it's mundane most of it don't you think that's why we create entertainment we want music and we want to be entertained. We want people to perform for us. And we want to watch films and read books and escape the mundaneness of everyday life, don't we? Mm. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. <laughs> There's just so much to think about, especially in this past like 30 minutes. I've like I've been writing notes. Imprints in time, twin flames, soulmates, past life regression, universal spirit, um, planes of learning, future progression. And one thing I wanted to ask about when you said the universal spirit, do you think there's the opposite? Like, do you think there's a ball of pure evil or do you think it doesn't exist? No, I do think I, I do think there's evil. Yes. I do. Do you just, do you not think, want to think about it or do you just focus more on the pure 
spirit? Yeah, because I want to I want to live my life in the light. I don't I don't want to live it in the dark and I don't particularly want to know much about the dark, but I acknowledge that there is dark. Mm. There has to be, because you you always have opposites. There has to be opposites. It's like two opposites um of you know polar opposites like the north pole and the south pole and and the um negative and positive of a magnet and do you know what i mean you have to have you have to have a reverse so if there's pure pure goodness there will be pure evil as well and i do think that there are things like demons i do think there are i don't know whether they're roaming the earth or whether they're contained i don't know where they are it wouldn't surprise me if they were roaming the earth in some guise or other I think that what me and Jack saw that day at that Christmas party was two angels and they were looking after Jelan because she hadn't long lost her nephew and she was in a dark place um and I think that they were manifesting so that she knew that they were still with her because she'd already been told that once she couldn't see them but two people strangers who weren't mediums saw them at a party and told her and it reinforced it for her so she knew she knew then that she had got two men who walked with her everywhere which is what that medium had said and it had Mm. been reiterated and so so with with her having maybe guardian angels and and people who if you if you look online you'll find even if you look on places like quora i'm on quora q u o r a mm-hmm. i uh, answer questions on there sometimes and reddit and places like that and people ask questions and people around the world answer the questions they're great forums to learn things because you'll get all of these bizarre questions or really interesting questions and then you get these fascinating answers by these people who've actually had experiences you know when i've read so many things and so many things like around the world and it's all been different people and all been different cultures and each each one of them has got something in there that is similar to another so it's very it's very believable for me it's very tangible not not everybody's got the same god but everybody's got a god so like there might be muhammad or buddha or you know what we call god um all different ones but really it's it's the same one surely it's the same one and surely that one doesn't want anything bad to happen to people so they're trying to if it is a universal spirit and it's and it's pure energy they're trying to you know sort of maybe send waves of pure energy out to help people to try and heal the world try and get us to do the right thing and and be good people rather than bad people but on the other hand if you've got that Maybe you've got something else that's like a dark ball of energy, which we would call Satan, wouldn't we? Mm. And that's the evil. And maybe that's radiating out. Who knows? I can't explain it. Mm. I do think there's a thin veil between this world and the next. Yeah. I do do think that, you know, spirits aren't that far away. They're sort of almost within reach. I think they're very, I think they're quite close to us. And although the essence of them 
can hear and see us we can't hear and see them because the veil is so thin that we can't see through it or the veil is so thin that they're, they're, they're concealed if you like behind this you know opaqueness or it's just something that we can't perceive with our own eyes but I think we can tune into it and that's how we can communicate with them and I don't think everybody can communicate with them I just think sometimes there are people who are just you know highly attuned to that and, and can actually pick things up frequencies if you like and are able to maybe they they can't hear them speaking but they can perceive what they're trying to say maybe by symbols or something like that I don't know some people just it's not that they don't believe I think they're just scared because I think they think there is something but they don't want to know what it is they just want to live a normal life and and be on you know straight and narrow don't want any spookiness don't want any spiritual stuff don't want don't want to know it is fear of the unknown that there's yeah there's a lot of people who think that there may be something but they're scared of what it might be and because you can't get your head around it nobody can get their head around it really then mm. maybe it's the fact that they like to be more in control and and when you can't be in control it sort of spins out of control and you think oh no I can't I can't think about that because it's just like it will take me off in that tangent and and then where will it end and it is it is a really strange one isn't it I think I'm gonna just go have brekkie and just sit down on the step and just think about all this stuff you mind yeah you mind be busy go get some brekkie you'll be starving yeah Oh, thanks so much again. Honestly, I've been excited for this all week. Oh, oh, that's really good. I'm really pleased. Yeah. Thank you, Georgie. And thank you for thinking of me. I really am appreciative of that. Oh, no worries. Of course. You know where I am if you want to know anything else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm ready to bore the arse off anyone who wants to listen. (laughs) I guess ever since I was little, I've been able to get energies off certain things and people and just kind of know things. Um, I, I just thought that was normal. I thought everyone did that. Like I do have some kind of, um, I guess you could say gift, but I do believe everyone has that gift if we tapped into it, tapped into it, tapped into it. That's next time on Friends with Ghost Stories. This sinister season is hosted by me, Georgie Winchester. A huge thank you to Tina for once again igniting the flame and sharing her views about the world with me. If you've got a ghost story you would like to share, please contact me via the Purple Top Records Instagram page. Please follow and share this podcast. It's free, so tell all your friends about it. A special thanks to local musician Manu Roll for giving me permission to use this absolutely style track called Killer Blues Alternate Version from his debut album Walk the Walk. Until next time on Friends with Ghost Stories.
out to go to Kohl's. The home deals right now, they're too good to pass up. Like up to 40% off Cuddle Dead's bedding, up to 50% off the cutest fall decor, and up to 25% off Ninja Kitchen appliances. How can I resist? You can even get 15% off or 15, 20, or 30% off with a Kohl's card. So yeah, I'm going all in for fall and I can't even wait. Select styles. Offers end October 17th. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's account for details.